The opinions and views of the host and guests on the podcast do not represent or reflect the opinions of any police department or law enforcement organization and are strictly our own opinions. Now, welcome to the 1080 podcast where we go over police culture, mental health of police officers, police leadership, current police climate, and much more. Now, buckle up and get ready to run code because here we go. Welcome back to the 1080 Podcast. Um, you got me. We have a guest in the studio today. Um, I know the past couple of episodes have been about um, police mental health and suicide and a lot of really um, re- really deep emotional um, topics. But today we're going to dive into leadership, um, kind of where departments are struggling, um, in leadership and you know how to be a better effective leader so as a guest on the show today i have staff sergeant to the stars jd hess on the episode (laughs) (laughs) how you doing hess uh good man how are you i'm doing good doing good so um for those of y'all that don't know me and Hess served in the military together um 2012 2013 we were over in afghanistan together um Um, Hess was one of the NCOs in my platoon and, um, really stepped up to the plate as a young leader while we were overseas, um, took care of not only his own team, but, you know, other members of the platoon and, you know, kind of, you know, took me under his wing when I was a young soldier and, you know, helped me and, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) and helped, helped me and shaped me on more than one occasion on how I should act. Um, so Hess, why don't you go ahead and tell, tell us how you taught me to act one time. Oh man. So I guess, uh, you want me to refer to, um, an ECP right at the, uh, prison in Bagram. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, when you, Uh, when you smoked the piss out of me. Um, good. Good story time, right? Uh, and I was what was I? I was a five then, right? When I sergeant then, I can't. So, yeah, you. Uh, I guess you're working seg ECP, and for people that don't know what seg means, that's segregation cells. So, well, uh, I'm gonna call him AG. He was controlling the access point to that certain uh, area in the uh, detention facility, and of course, you know. Um, you have to take a relief, right? You've got stuff that you have to take care of, okay? So he uh, calls over the radio, wants some relief, and uh, happened to mistake my voice for another soldier's voice, and he kind of got a little bit of an attitude, <laughs> uh, which is okay. It's okay. So uh, I think I came down and uh, I gave you a little taste of what attitude costs you in the military. <laughs> now, I believe that's correct, right? Now, I I think that's a really good way to phrase it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I showed my ass a little bit, and then you <laughs> taught me to not show my ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what? It happened more than once in my uh, <laughs> my stint in the military, but you know, it was always it was always really good. And then you know, um, <laughs> we you know. Uh, most of the NCOs I worked with were really good about afterwards, just, you know, still being able to yuck it up with you and be a good leader. Right. So today that's, yeah. that's really going to be the topic of our show. Um, 
you know, good leadership qualities. And so, Hess, why don't you go ahead and um, kind of give your background a little bit, um, you know, your, your, you know, explain about your time in the military, all the deployments you went on. And then um, after you got back, um, I'd really like to touch on uh, kind of a lot of the stuff that you've done for cops with, um, with down where you live in your neck of the woods and, um, right. you know, um, all, all the mental health stuff that you've done for right. people. So, um, started my career in the military in 2007. So I graduated high school in, uh, June of 2007 and then left for basic training in August at Fort Leonard Wood. Um, same thing as you, AG, you know, 12 years in the military as military police. Um, and then I did a year of civilian law enforcement and a little bit of armed hospital security too. Um, but three tours. My first one was uh, 2009, and we went to Iraq with the 363rd up in Grafton, West Virginia. Uh, come back in 2010, um, and then shortly thereafter, we left uh, for Bagram, Afghanistan. That was our tour together. And then, um, let's see, 16 and 17 is when I went back to Afghanistan and Kabul for uh, like personal security detail and bodyguard stuff. Um, and then... Shortly thereafter is when I ended my contract, and now I'm just a regular civilian. <laughs> <laughs> but needless to say, um, uh, see, so you 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 got all the way up to your E6. So you've you've done the right, team leader, right. squad leader, probably a little bit right. of platoon sergeant stuff. Um, yeah, I know. Um, when we when these uh, three tours come up, like my last tour, we had three missions come up. Um, so they were doing all non-commissioned officers for these roles. Um, and then my platoon sergeant was retiring at the time, um, and she asked me, she said, are you going on this deployment because I need to know who to leave the platoon to? And, yeah, I was doing a little bit of platoon sergeant stuff. She was kind of stepping down as her role um, because she was gearing toward, more towards retirement. Um, so I was actually leading the platoon on um, a little bit of missions when we were out training and stuff like that and then administration stuff and all that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so uh, let's see. On the deployment that we went together, there's a couple of NCOs that stand out in my mind for their immense leadership qualities, and one of them right. is by far um, Master Sergeant Harmon. So um, yeah. that that woman, I mean, you want to talk – so I, I think my personal opinion, I think where a lot of leaders get things confused – I mean, in my opinion, leadership is extremely simple. Um, it doesn't require, you know, when, when, when a normal person thinks about leadership and being a leader, um, they think about, you know, I, I, I would say, you know, not making, mis making mistakes or, Correct. you know, being able to know the answer for everything. But I think, you know, Correct. really what it boils down to is what Master Sergeant Harmon exhibited, and that was 100% caring about the people that were underneath you. Exactly. And there was, exactly. I never had any doubt in my mind that that woman did not love and care about every single one of us that was in that yeah. company. Definitely, if you want a very, very prime example of leadership, yeah, Maxwell Harmon. Um, and she, you know, she spent a lot of time in the military. She was also a drill sergeant, so um, she was also training troops and stuff like that. Not only that, I mean, it was so simple that drill weekend she would fix breakfast um, just to kind of break the monotony of, you know, oh, shoot, I got to go to drill. 
I'm going to waste the weekend or whatever. So it's just a little simple thing as much as it is, you know, large things when it comes to being a leader. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I'll never forget when we were over overseas, I guess, the, mm-hmm. dude, and you know how the, you know how the freaking chow hall gets. Um, yeah, right. Oh, God, dude. You, you have the, <laughs> oh, my gosh, the freaking chow hall Nazis. Like, I just worked a 12-hour yeah. shift, you know, getting yelled at by detainees can you just like give me a freaking break i remember i went i tried to right. go into the chow hall and pts and they kicked me out and i was walking back yeah. to change and master sergeant Harmon saw me i guess she saw the look on my face and she's like hey what's wrong and i told her and she, oh my god i mean then that woman was scary. yeah that woman was scary and she goes <laughs> yeah. yeah and she goes i'll be right back and she walks over to the chow hall and i have no doubt ripped some assholes open and then yeah. she comes she was like you wait here and she comes back outside she goes you can go in and eat now she goes i took care of that that's ridiculous i mean and yeah. th- that that yeah. and, but but you know i think where a lot of leaders get it mixed up is like that is that is what troops and lower enlisted are looking for um right right is you know in 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 any aspect you know whether you're in a corporate environment a police environment or a military environment the people that yeah. the the lower enlisted or the you know the troops so to speak um you know are they're just looking for that they're looking to be cared for you know it's you know because yeah. i think our basic human you know needs and necessities you know we're kind of we're kind of um you know conditioned for that at a young age for being a child so if you right you know we look for mom and dad to take care of us and you know and that that need right. never goes away um when you know even when you're in the military even when you're a grown adult you're looking for the person that is in charge of you and over you to just care and that's it and that's, yeah, that's the only right. thing it takes right. to, and that's the only thing it takes to be a good leader is to let the people know that are underneath you that you care about them and that's it. Right. It, it leadership in my opinion is extremely simple right yeah i think uh you can you're 100 correct on what you said and in like when i first became of course you remember the whole uh mass promotion of corporals and i think that is the one of the worst ranks in the military you got the responsibility of e5 but you don't get to pay for it so right then you're learning how to be a leader. Of course, the Army sets you up even in basic training. You know, they give you those um, little ranks, and you've got squad leaders, you've got a, uh, a platoon sergeant or whatever. So the Army is setting you up to be a leader, right, because the Army wants you to progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it took me a while to really learn how to become an effective leader because, one, and, and I don't care what anybody says, as soon as you get stripes, you have a power trip. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll admit it, I did. Um, but after you kind of break out of that, and, and I was a hard NCO, and, I, I'm, and you know as well as yep. anybody else, you know, if you did something wrong, I busted your ass for it. Absolutely. But, but within that, yeah, I will bust your ass, but it's because I see the absolute 110% potential that you can produce, and then I just have to make it come out of you. Yeah. And then one troop that stands out in my mind that, you know, I kind of had a problem with, um, in Afghanistan was, I don't know if you remember Hill, right? Yes. We and her went round and round and round and round, and that's when, you know, I fell under Staff Sergeant Lutz and his squad, um, and I don't like a last leader, right, because it sets you up to uh, get yourself in trouble, and then you try to sweep it underneath the rug when you're already in that little compound, 
and you're already underneath the microscope because you know how it was. If you effed up there, you know, it was like 110%, you know, an iron fist. Yeah, I mean, because so, all the so, reports that we, all the reports that we yeah. did, um, for those of y'all that don't know, um, yeah. any sort of DR or, or critical incident that we handled over there went on the desk of the president. So those are all that don't know, yeah. like, you know, we were under extreme scrutiny. Um, I mean, I can't yeah. tell you how many congressmen or representatives uh, came over and toured the facility while we were over there because it was a lot. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, being in the leadership roles, if you have to lock that down because any sort of F up, you know, is is very detrimental to that mission right there. And then, like I said, I would bust your ass if you effed up, but it's for a reason. And then another example is, I don't know if you remember, and I hope she doesn't care about me talking about her, but uh, Mayhew, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I really didn't care much for a team leader, and I'm not going to, you know, say any names, but the girl needed help, you know. And it come down to us getting off mission. The one female was late to um, – getting to her shift on a different platoon. And then, you know, me and Mayhew had to sit down and we had to talk. And I said, I think your team leader is a, you know, is a bullshit leader. And I said, let me take you under my wing and let's get you back on track. And then they're on out, you know, as soon as you chip away from what's, what's killing that soldier, you can really make them into something. Um, and that's what I like to see is ones that are, are the, the most shitbag soldier and then they come out to be an effective leader, and, and, you know, she was like a mini drill sergeant, you know, after it was over with. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I like to see as a leader. Yeah, no, and that's and that's exactly what you and Mills and uh, Owens did for me. Um, because right. my Dude, so we'll let the listeners know. So my entire time that I was over, and we were in Afghanistan for nine months, um, the entire time that I was over there, my team leader not once asked how I was doing. Not once. Um which really, really, really jaded me and really made me made me mad because I was, dude, I was 19 years old. You know, I was, you know, I, I spent my life and, you know, where I grew up at, I spent my, you know, I spent my entire life there. And then, you know, at, you know, 18 years old, I joined the military, 19 years old, I'm overseas in Afghanistan fighting a war. And so, like, you know, I, I think a lot of people, you know, they don't, they don't look at it like that. Like, you know, and now that I'm older, now that I'm 28 years old, you know, I look back and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I was 19 years old over there. Yeah. Like, doing, I mean, I know me and you have had this discussion before, you know, yeah, our job wasn't out, you know, you know, running around, you know, bang, bang, shoot him up. But, you know, it was an extremely stressful job. And now looking back at 28 years old, I was like, wow, like, that's what we were doing. That's what we were doing at 19 years old. Yeah. Like yeah. that. Like thinking about it now, like literally, just blows my mind. Like it, it's so crazy yeah. to th- to think about that. And you know, you know, the older I get, and the more that I look back on past leaders and everything like that. Like, like I said, my team leader didn't once ask how my finances were doing. Which I mean, I was fine. But you know, you know, my he didn't once ask how my finances were doing. Um which actually is something that uh, Bentz, um, which was our squad leader, brought up um, right before yeah. we're deployed. He's like, hey, this is some, this is what you guys really need to square away. He's like, especially for you young guys, he's like, you know, I don't want to see you guys spending all your freaking money on, you know, bullshit. Exactly. Yeah, um, which Bentz, he, 
I, I was lucky to have him as my squad leader because I knew he, he did care about us and he he was a really good NCO. Um, right. But um, yeah, you know, it, it, looking back now, and that's something that I remember now that like I FTO guys, you know, and I, I'm you know considered like a senior person, uh, you know, on right. the on you know police departments and stuff because I you know have a decent amount of experience. Um, you know, that, that's the stuff that I keep in the back of my head is, okay, I want the people that work under, you know, work with me to know that I care about them and I love them and I don't want anything bad exactly. to happen to them. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, my team leader didn't once ask me, you know, check up on me or do anything like that. Um, you yeah. know, and you know, people like you and Mills and, uh, Owens, um, you know, kind of picked up his slack and, started checking on me and, you know, making sure everything was okay and all that. Cause so for those of y'all that don't know, so I enlisted in the military in, um, honestly, I actually on Halloween of 2011, I left for boot camp, uh, July 11th, uh, of 2012, graduated May 31st, 2012 and left for deployment on in June of, uh, 2012. So, at, you know, 18, 19 years old, I was getting shipped all over the place, you know, and that, you know, I think what I, well, you know, what people didn't realize was like, for me, like, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of really big transition, you know, that's a, there, there's a lot of moving parts in that, you know, this is my first time away from home for an extended period of time, and, you know, dealing with, you know, basically being an adult, you know, for the first time in my life and not only being adult, and not but, given a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Just being like, yeah. all right, well, this is what we're going to do. And exactly. I think where a lot of leaders, you know, really don't pick that slack up is taking a step back and realizing that like, yeah, you right. got some younger guys underneath you that this is like their first, like, you know, big step into the world. Like, you know, you know, most of them spent, you know, their time drinking from the water hose of life, wherever they grew up at. And then they get, into these military units, you know, and they're getting blasted with a water hose of what, you know, what reality right. is, you know, the, like, yeah. you know, what, what the world really is, you know, and I think it's good, you know, for me, looking back, I'm glad that I got to experience all that because, you know, you're 19 years old, get shipped over to a war zone and, you know, especially doing the job we're doing, dealing with uh, prisoners and all that, like, I mean, right. you're you're sitting there staring the enemy in the face, like you're actually looking at them and talking with them, and right. they're asking you yeah. for stuff, and they were prying for information and all that. Like you know, yeah. it you know, uh, you know, it's just cra it's crazy now to to sit back and think about that, and to you know to think about how I know that I would be right now if I was a team leader in the military or, you know, or in any sort of leadership position, you know, I'm really fortunate that I got to experience those things. Um, right. Because I, I know what it's like to have shitty leadership and it sucks. Yeah. And then there's more of it out there than there is good. Yeah, no. And that's the thing. And, no, and that's definitely what, definitely what sucks um, about it. And I think, you know, and that's, that's really what's driving, a lot of people out of the military, I think they're, um, you know, they're, you know, you have NCOs that will get in there and, you know, and I mean, you know, I never got to go to WLC because I was always on deployments. 
unfortunately. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> which, I, I mean, I know you went to, you probably went to WSC and AL, ALC. Did you go to ALC? Uh, yeah, I went to both. Yeah, I went to ALC um, because now, you know, when you look at um, want promotion is they don't go off experience anymore. It's by what school that you have. So, well, so you have to you you have to attend the school before you can even be considered for promotion. So let's go over for, uh, since you got to go to those schools. So let's start yeah. with like WLC, BLC, BNOC, whatever they call it now. Um, yeah. Let, so, let let's go over what they teach you in those schools and kind of the things that they go over. So BLC, of course, that's your basic leadership course. Um, They've got new acronyms for these things now. So, uh, like I said, BLC is basic leadership course, so that's to go to get your E5, okay? Um, so they're, they're teaching you the very, very basics of, uh, of being a team leader, which is not only, like, administration work and uh, stuff like that, but also, like, basic combat movements and, and, and stuff like that whenever you're out in the field or you're on a deployment. Um, you know, like bounding overwatch, and, and a lot of these people on here probably don't know what I'm talking about, but you kind of get the gist. That's fine. Uh, so it's just the, the very, very basics uh, of learning how to become a leader in the military. Now, when you switch to ALC, which is Advanced Leadership Course, that's what you're getting up when you um, go for your six. Um, so they teach a little bit more in depth um, as far as administration stuff. You do a little bit of field, like we spent a week into the field, um, I think it was four weeks long, and you can choose to either do two weeks and two weeks, or you can do the full four, and that's what I did because I don't feel like going back and forth. <laughs> but um, advanced leadership course, you get into more of the administration part as far as you know teaching classes, um, uh, like NCOERs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the big thing is when you're evaluating your younger NCOs. Um, and then, you know, back into the field where you're actually leading a squad of soldiers out in harm's way, right? They make you run mock missions and, and simunitions and stuff like that, where if you get shot, you get shot. You know you're shot. So so it gets a little bit more in-depth. And, and I was up for my seven when I come back, but I knew I was getting out. Um, they had an SLC slot open. I was like, look, there's no reason for me to take an SLC slot when I know that I'm leaving. So why don't you give it to somebody that's, um, staying in and it needs their seven. So I, did, I missed that on the SLC. Yeah. So in any of these, um, and, and like I said before, um, I think leadership is extremely simple when it, you know, when it really just boils down to caring about the people that are underneath you. Now, when you went to right. any of these leadership schools, did they go over anything like that? As far as like mental health and stuff like that, um, not really. It was more, more so dedicated to, you know, I guess being hardcore leadership, um, knowing what to do under high stressful situations and, and things like that. But it's very, I don't think, and I'm trying to remember correctly, in any, in any of those two schools I went to, did they ever touch on mental health, right? Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah, and, you know, and I think that sucks because, you know, and I know you agree with me when it, when it comes down it to. It really does, yeah. When, when it. When it really comes down to leadership, it literally it's it's so it's so simplistic, and I think that's why I get so frustrated with leaders, um, or people that are appointed to leadership positions. Is it, it is it's not knowing what to do in every situation because I you know from the right. from the time that you're in basic training, you know, to your you know you're in these advanced leadership schools, you know, you always hear the phrase right, right wrong, or indifferent, make a decision, and. Right. 
Now that's really great, you know, that's a that's a really great phrase and everything, you know, but that's only focusing on when, you know, shit is hitting the fan, you know, what exactly. what yeah. to do. And they, you know, and, it, and it's the same thing in the police world, you know, you don't you don't focus, you know, none of these leadership schools focus on what to do when everything has died down. Right. And how to care for your people because, you and, know, if and really Really, the now is more critical than anything because you know everybody pays attention to the news. You know, law enforcement is su- is under such scrutiny right now. Um, that's why I wouldn't go back to it. Um, you know, I have a job that I, you know I don't worry about none of that anymore. I have a bunch of friends that are still law enforcement, and I, I care the world about them, and I, I always check in on them, make sure they're good or whatever. Um, but yeah, law enforcement is under such scrutiny right now in this nation um, that you know they blink an eye wrong, and it's you know, mass protests, it's, uh, it's riots, it's, it's, um, you know, people just walking right up and shooting a cop, mm-hmm. you know, Daytona beach, the the cop was what, 26 years old. Yeah. And it been was on the, been on the department, what, three years, I think it's what I read. Yeah. And it's literally and it, just my, now my buddy yeah. actually knew him. My buddy, that was one of his friends. Yeah. And, um, I mean, because I, I watched the I watched the initial body cam for that, and it was you know, yeah, the guy was literally he was like parked in like an apartment complex, and the cop was asking him why he was parked right. there if he lived there, and that was it. And then the guy pulled a gun out, and shot him in the um in the head, right. and and to go back to the um to you know leadership not focusing on the downtime. Um, these yeah, are some t- these are some statistics that I pulled up. Um, roughly 40% of those who join the military never get deployed to a combat zone at all. 10 to 20% of those who do find themselves on a deployment wind up in a combat zone. Remember, that is not 10 to 20% total, just 10 to 20% of the 60% who get deployed. Most of the troops who do end up in combat zones do not actually enter combat against the enemy. They are support troops backing up those who do. When you break it down... About one in every ten soldiers in the military, ten percent overall, actually go into combat and fire their weapons. So, yep. so what you do, so what you have is you have, you know, a very minimal amount of people in the military that are actually getting shot at and shooting back, and but the military is strictly focusing on, you know, such a small percentage of people that are actually see that, and they're not focusing on the larger percentage of people that, um, you know, don't see that. So, so you're, you're, it's weird that, you know, and I get it though, you know, cause I can understand it because it is the military. Um, you know, you're training, you, you're training leaders to be effective for, you know, 10% right. of the time. You're not training them to be, right. be effective for 90% of the time, which is like, we, like what right. we just talked about with, um, um, you know, when I asked you if they ever, you know, talked about mental health or, you know, the, um, you know, caring right, about yeah, your people. Exactly. Like, you know, th- and this is from MidwestDisability.com. Um, I try to avoid .coms, but, um, you know, that is, you know, this is from a law firm site. Um, right. And it's just sad. It kills me, man, because I think, I think, I think you would, you would keep a lot of really good soldiers in the military and, you know, in police departments if you really started, you know, to focus on what happens 90% of the time, not just 10% of the time. Exactly. And it's like, you know, I know you touch base on, you know, Staff Sergeant Bench touching on our financials and stuff like that. 
and that's the biggest thing when it plays into mental health. You know, I'm a big mental health advocate. You've seen my stuff that I've done. And, and uh, yeah, like absolutely. That. You've done a, uh, you, you did a lot of stuff for, um, it was you and that, God, I used to be friends with him on Facebook that, uh, I don't, it, Adam. Yes. Yeah. Those nope. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Cause I know you yeah. and him have done all that stuff with the gym and yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. You know, he is a really, really, really good guy and he, he is really for, you know, mental health and, you know, take yeah, care absolutely. of people and, you know, uncovering like, Hey, like, yeah. Like, you know, the action is awesome. This is, you know, pursuits, you know, you know, right. all this stuff, but you know, people like you and him and, you know, I hate to say it like me, you know, I, we're really wanting to uncover like 90% of what's going on, you know, you know, pursuits and all that yeah. stuff is like 10% of what goes on. But like the other 90%, like that, that, like, like that is what we, that that is what we as a nation and we as, you know, people that support first responders in the military need to be focused on. Like right. that is the important stuff. And it kills me that, you know, that we're not touching on that. Like that is extremely yeah. important. That is that 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 and that's the reality is, you know, you know, and you'll go around and you'll see the people with the, you know, the little gold um ribbons on the back of the car. We support the troops and yeah. all this stuff. But we, hey, that's nice. I really appreciate it. What I would appreciate more is if you really kind of, you know, dived into the struggles that we face coming home. And yeah. all of that, because that that is what is so freaking important, and that's what I want people people to notice and see. Exactly. You know, three tours after this, and I'm not afraid to tell people, is you need to find you know to combat mental health crisis, right? You need to find a hobby, something that you can actually take that stress out on, and you know when you walk out of that or do whatever you got to do, um, you feel 100 percent better. And you know, I've got three tours in multiple you know in it it it's a variety of different things that i've done and that i've seen you know over my time in the military and stuff like that but uh, you know i've got ptsd i've got anxiety depression uh, katie my wife she sees it from time to time you know I, i've got days where i come in and i'm real quiet and she understands she, she knows she said um she says i know when you come in and you're real quiet and it took her a minute to learn it because she hasn't been with somebody that has been a first responder or in the military or have tours. Mm -hmm. Um, it took her a minute to, you know, I had to break it down to her. Hey, I'm not mad at you. Uh, you know, I just, it's one of my bad days. And and the way I combat that is, and it's not boasting the way I combat that is I go to the gym and like you said, you know, you asked me, you know, what time do I start my day? My alarm clock goes off at four o'clock. Man, you're a regular jocko. Yeah, I'm usually leaving the house at 4.15. I'm in the gym by 4.30, 4.45, uh, somewhere around that. Just just depending on how fast I leave the house. But my mind is programmed that uh, the reason why I like doing it, I like lifting before work because you wake up, you have the most energy. But it also lets you take your stress out from that previous day and just bang it out on the weights or, or something like that. The way you leave that, you have a clear open mind, and you're just ready to take on whatever's next. Yeah, no, and I think, dude, I mean, you're, you're, I mean, I know you see, you, you post on Facebook about, a bunch about Katie and all that, and, you know, yeah. and you're, you're, you know, from based on what you told me, you're, you know, she seems very, uh, you know, very receptive to that stuff, and I think that's where me and you yes. are, me yeah. and you are super fortunate, my girlfriend Taylor, um, understands, like, because she has a lot of friends that are police, 
And so she sees yeah. it. And so, like, she knows, like, with me, you know, certain, like, she can tell when, like, I'm a little bit off or whatever. And she is so freaking phenomenal with, like, yeah. dealing with me if I'm, like, I'm, if I'm having a bad day. Because I'll be straight up with her. I'm just like, hey, like, I'm having a, I'm having a bad day right now. Um, and she yeah. is super awesome with, you know, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't poke or prod or force me to talk to her. She'll just say, okay, well, right. you know, what's going on? Like, you know, how are you feeling right now? And then she'll, exactly. she'll you know, yeah. Yeah. Katie's the same way. She doesn't force, she doesn't prod. She, she knows she can tell by the look on my face that I'm having a bad day. And she says, Hey, I'm here to talk about it. And it's important, you know, if you have that spouse or that boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, whatever have you. Um, is be open with them about what's going on because more than likely, you know, they're there, they're your first line defense as far as helping you out and, you know, talking it down and, and, and getting it out of you. So definitely don't, don't shrug off your spouse or your boyfriend, girlfriend or, or significant other. Um, always be open and talk to them about it because, you know, if, if worse comes to worse and you're having an extremely bad day to where you're thinking about doing the, the, ultimatum is what i'm going to say yeah um they're they're your first line of defense as far as talking to somebody uh, you know suicide has affected our unit before um you know we've lost them to uh self-suicide we uh lost one you know you heard the story about walker where he got into a shootout with a cop yeah that that, that uh, was and that um, was that was i mean because i know you know me him and shiflet were like i mean we were yeah. inseparable on that last deployment and you know when i heard about that like i mean that like crushed me i mean yeah i get it i mean it 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 sucked and so yeah you know it 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 is definitely important about having that person in your life that um that will help you with that and i'm super fortunate that i have taylor and that exactly. she understands, you know, kind of what's going on with me or whatever. And, you know, she right. handles it extremely well. A very amazing woman. Um, yep. Knows how to knows how to deal with me and everything, which <laughs> is so funny that, you know, knows how to deal with <laughs> us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it your, takes one hell of a person. Yeah, no, ab, no, ab, 100% absolutely. freaking lutely <laughs> it, do, it does take one hell of a person to to deal with people that have that have that have you know been through what we've been through and everything um so yeah. it, it it is it is awesome to, to to eventually find that person that can put up with it and really handle right. it well you know it, it it is a massive stress reliever um to know that you that you have someone that you can always rely on that will yeah. um take care of you Absolutely. Yeah. So, let's see here. Let me pull up some more statistics. This is from the um, FBI website. This is just talking about general leadership, um, improving motiv- motivation and productivity of police officers. So this is um, this is saying like factor basic needs. One of the most commonly cited theories of motivation is that of Abraham Maslow, I think. Um, he should fix his last name. According to <laughs> Maslow, people are motivated based on a hierarchy of need. God, these are way too many big words for someone that was in the military. Like, it's on. way early, dude. Yeah, dude, it is way too early, and these words are way too big. Hierarchy? <laughs> Who even uses hierarchy? Okay, anyways, 
At the bottom of the list are basic psychological essentials such as food, water, and shelter, which ties back into what I said with being a leader is right. just, you know, you know, having a mom and dad. Right. Uh, so it's food, water, and shelter. After obtaining these necessities, people look for safety, security, and a sense of belonging. Individuals right. then seek out praise and recognition for a job well done that is related to a quest for improved self-esteem. This is followed by a desire of self-actualization for the potential to grow professionally. A predominant... Dude, God, these words, man. God, do they have like an elementary school version of this? A predominant... Yeah, not when you deal with the FBI. Yeah, I, clearly not, man. I need like stupid <laughs> words for this. Like, good Lord. A predominant feature of this theory is the need for praise and re recognition under the self-esteem model. When properly used by management, praise can be... An effective motivator of police personnel. Mark Twain once commented that he could live for two months on a compliment alone. Managers who strive to inspire personnel can adopt this adage and use it as an example of motivational philosophy. Good gosh, man, I really need to get hooked exactly. on phonics. Um, no, and I, they do, like right there is exactly what me and you have both touched on is exactly. leadership is ex in my opinion like i said extremely simple you know people are looking for their basic needs to be fulfilled which the military does you know yeah. food water and shelter regardless of where you're at on a deployment they will right. in fact give you that um and then the other aspect that they're looking for is a sense of belonging and i think you know most exactly. humans will find their sense of belonging in having a team leader or a squad leader that you know treats them like family yeah which and and, and the biggest thing that you touched on too is you know you need to recognize you know and, and even if it's someone that's you know not up for a big award or or something like that you know you recognize their their progress and the things that they do because a human being does feel good when you're recognized when you're when you're talked about you say oh man you know you did so good on your pt test or, or you know your your runtime went down or something like that just something the basic just very very simple uh a compliment can can like like what do you say mark twain said you can run two months off just having a good compliment yeah and you know and some <laughs> troops are gonna some troops are going to need a little bit more, um, you know, effort as in, you know, as one compliment. Exactly. I mean, I, I think, a, 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 you know, a giant example of that would be uh, Mills um, working with um, one of his soldiers. Um, yeah. He put a lot of time and effort into that yeah. troop and, and eventually ended up, you know, making it to where he could pass his PT test. And, yeah. you know, be, um, which honestly, dude, uh, you know, a lot of people gave, you know, this guy shit, but when they put him in a position that he was really good at, he was actually freaking awesome at it. Yeah. Um, he was, and they knew, they knew that certain troop needed that kind of leadership. You know, Mills, me and Mills, you know, we thought alike, we acted alike, we would bust your ass hard if you effed up. But it was for your own good, and yeah, they knew that that certain troop needed a lot of effort, 
and you know, and Neil's, I mean, God bless his soul. <laughs> he <stepped laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and he did a hell of a job, a hell of a job. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he was um, instrumental in finding that troop a job that he would be good at. Because I know, exactly. I know, initially the leadership was like, "Oh, we're just gonna put him," you know, and that's the easy way out. Oh, we're just gonna put him here yeah. because you it, know this will and be. And it's always that when, when you have piss poor leadership, they always find that. Um, oh, we're just gonna push him here in the corner, you know, just let him ride by, whatever. But yeah, you know, even if it's even if it's an easy job like supply or whatever, the dude made it work, right? And and when you refer back to sense of self belonging. You know, that was his thing. That's where he belonged. Yes. One hundred percent. And he was freaking phenomenal at it, to be honest with you. (laughs) Exactly. Which which is so funny thinking about the person that we're talking about. But he did a freaking phenomenal job at it. He had that sense of belonging. He had that sense of worth. And then with Mills, his team leader, he knew that Mills cared about he knew, he knew that Mills cared about. Oh uh, gosh, the only thing that I'm I'm thinking about right now was he was when he passed his PT test and Mills told me, "Oh my God, he has been playing." I woke up in a new whatever song is that. I woke up in a new Bugatti. Like because yeah. this was this is when we were in the tents yeah. getting ready to leave, and he said that. <laughs> He said that he played that song like 37 freaking oh. times. But he was in such a great mood, which was awesome. Which, I mean, even as like a young troop was awesome. Like, I mean, for, like PT for me was like never hard. Like I was always. What was it? Do you, do you remember that, that day that they had a PT test and Meadows failed it? Uh, I, I said his name. I messed up. That's so they had a PT test and he failed it. And then Mills was so mad that he gave him another PT test right after and he passed it. Do you remember that? No, I do not remember that. He was probably scared of Mills. So, so, or he made him do the run or something because Meadows, you know, he would always, he would fail the run. But Mills, if I'm remembering right, he gave him another PT test right after it and he passed it. And Mills was so freaking mad that they went running for I don't know how many miles after that. Yeah, that was a good time. I do va- <laughs> I do vaguely okay, I do vaguely remember that. <laughs> but, yeah. But hey, I mean <laughs> It's so funny though cuz Meadows was whatever. It, he was such a sweetheart. <laughs> he was so, I mean that dude honestly, I mean he he was such a sweet guy though. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean <laughs> He care. I mean, oh my gosh, man! It's so funny though. He was such God, such a freaking nice guy. And honestly, he has like the cutest kid on the face of the planet. To be honest with you, yeah. But <laughs> that is freaking hilarious, though. Oh my gosh, I do. I do vaguely remember that. But no, uh, Mills put a lot of time and effort into him, and you know, yeah. I think you know, I. You know, at your bare bones model, I think you know. I, honestly, I think people like him would be a really good. Um, I don't want to say test dummy because that sounds so shitty, but that you know, you know, he is like an extreme example of how basic leadership can. I mean, okay, I don't want to say that. Um, he is an extreme example of how to lead. I guess like having Meadows as a soldier underneath you because yep. Meadows was looking for somebody to care about him. 
because I, yeah. I can promise you probably the entire time that Meadows was in the military, no one cared about him because they were just like, oh, this isn't easy. Let me just quit. You know, yeah. you know, you go and do what you want. But Mills was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. And so, yeah. you know, I think that is a, an extremely good example of, you know, how easy it is to be a leader. I mean, hey, I don't want to say easy because he was definitely a handful. However, it's how to be an effective leader. Yes, absolutely. And it, it it's really instilling that that sense of I care about you, so I'm not going to quit. Yeah. And let's see here. I got some uh, more statistics pulled up. It, this is from, I'm not even going to try to read this. Um, I guess goremotley.net. Um, and it says, uh, fascinating leadership statistics 2021. Over 10,000 baby boomers retire every day. A whopping 79% of employees will quit their jobs due to lack of appreciation from leaders. Exactly. 69% of millennials believe that there is a lack of leadership development in the workplace. Only 15% of women have a board of director roles in the workplace. I don't know what that has to do with anything. Um, 91% of millennials will stay in their job for fewer than three years. 83% of enterprises believe that it is important to develop leaders at all levels in the companies, in a, in a company, right. which, in my opinion, is utterly freaking ridiculous. Like, fix yourself. Yeah. Um, only five percent of companies have integrated leadership development in their corporations. Um, right. Yeah, that is utterly ridiculous. And I know that they you know, and I know that 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 was full of corporations and businesses and all that stuff. But I think you know, I, yeah. I would I would say that those statistics are pretty. Uh, pronounced amongst you know military and police departments, you know yeah, that that right. is utterly you know those statistics are absolutely frightening in my opinion. Right. Um, that you know here we go. Eighty percent of work accidents occur due to stress from a negative work court, work culture. Seventy three percent of employees quit their job due to lack of appreciation. 50% of candidates state they turned down job offer due to negative work culture. 70% of employees in the U.S. are unhappy in their jobs due to ne negative work management. 78% yeah. of business leaders are forced or focused on improving their engagement with employees. I guess that's good. Um, yeah, that, that's the biggest thing as far as, like, I know we talk a lot about, you know, PDs and we talk a lot about the military, but as far as civilian aspect. Um, when you talk about corporations and stuff like that, like prime example right now, you know, unemployment rate is at an all-time high due to, you know, COVID and all this other stuff and whatever excuse that people want to make up. But the biggest pet peeve or the biggest thing that really pisses me off right now is I see all these companies that have what they call a sign-on bonus, right? Mm -hmm. We'll pay you so much money if you come work here. Well, when we start talking about valuing your employees that you already have, you know, what about the ones that have stayed and worked um, during COVID and all this crap that are still there that haven't quit their job to get a free ride from the government and all that stuff? So you're paying a sign-on bonus for people to come and work there, but, you know, why not take care of your employees that stayed there, right, your dedicated workers? That's the biggest thing that I see right now. Absolutely. Um I'm so I'm so glad that you brought that up because I had this conversation yeah. with somebody yesterday is you know why are 
all of these, you know, organizations so focused on recruitment. It's not recruitment. You don't you know, like like why, why like why are you focused on recruitment? Why don't you focus on keeping exactly. the people that are working for you and know how they do their job there? Why are you not actually exactly. polling them and taking their opinions into a you know into into focus? Why why right. is that not on your why is that not not on your you know your agenda? And you know that and that yeah no that I'm so glad that you brought that up. Because that is what pisses me off to no end. Why are you not exactly. worried on the, you know, focused on the, you know, dude, if you want a revolving door of, you know, people, whatever, you know, if that's your forte, you know, yeah. I feel sorry for you, you know, that, sorry, that, that's, that sucks that that is your mentality. You need to it be, really fo- yeah, no, and that. Yeah, now I'm going to go on a freaking rant because that is so utterly ridiculous. I'm so glad that you brought that up once again. Um, well, well, the biggest thing the biggest thing about a company and corporation, when you're running a business, right, is any company or corporation, you know, you want to make the most money you can, but also offsetting that is you got a lot of overhead. So instead of paying your current employees a, you know, stay with me bonus or something like that, you're paying a sign-on bonus for a new employee not only are you taking money out of your own pocket to pay a sign-on bonus, but you're also taking more money out of the corporation and other people's mouths because you have to train exactly. a new employee on that job, which is going to slow your production time down or, or whatever the job is. It's going to slow you down. You have to invest more money in training. I know um, some companies, they hire outside training. So you have to pay somebody to come in and train another employee when you can take that same amount of money and give it to an employee that's still there and still working and knows the job and is dependable, he, he or she shows up to work every day. Uh, they're never late. Um, they worked all the way through through COVID, all the way through this so-called pandemic. Um, you know, that's, that's – I don't know. I could go on a rant too because a lot of people are pissed uh, off. Dude, go <laughs> ahead. Go, go on a freaking rant, man. That's, that's what we're here yeah. for. Go ahead. So uh, – yeah. No, that that no. I mean, you 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 hit the nail on the head with that, man. And and that's the thing is a lot of a lot of so-called leaders in these you know positional leadership roles don't understand that. You know, yeah. care about the people that are already there. Care about the people that are putting the time and the effort into the you know into the organization that they're working for, and don't worry about getting new people. Like exactly. especially in the police world, like. You're going to tell me that you're going to offer this this dude off the street, you know, a sign-on bonus when you have right. someone that maybe has six years in law enforcement or six years in the military or, you know, so to speak, or whatever you want to, you know, call it, you know, you're not going to offer him anything or make him feel any, you know, exactly. any sense of accomplishment or, you know, focus on him because that's the guy that knows how to do the job. That's the guy that, you know... You know, ten years down the road, you're gonna wish that was there, because you're gonna yeah. you're gonna create a revolving door of, you know, of you know young officers or young NCOs or young leadership people that that are you know you're just gonna constantly be reteaching the job, reteaching the job, exactly. doing this, doing that. When if you would just focus 
on the people that are already there and the people that want to do the job, but they're just feeling, you know, a sense of, you know, unappre- you know, of not being appreciated, you know, and that's all that yeah. it is. It and it and that's what pisses me off to no freaking end, man. Is it <laughs> yeah. is that freaking simple? Show appreciation yeah. for the people that are already there and are doing the job and are willing to say that if you ask them to jump, they're going to say how high. Because I'm going to tell you right now, exactly. the guy that you hire with a $5,000 sign-on bonus is not going to do that. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to, you know, if you ask him to jump, he's not going to say how high. Because he doesn't care. Exactly. He got $5,000 to come work there. You think he gives a, you know, <laughs> you think he gives a shit? Hell no, he yeah. doesn't. He's glad that he got that $5,000. And he's going to go up to that job and, you know, collect that paycheck and do the bare, you know, the you know, the, the, the bare minimum that is necessary to complete the job. And that is what exactly. is so utterly frustrating about it is and, if you were to the just... The biggest thing, too, is, you know, when you hire somebody off the street, right, uh, and I'm not saying everybody's lazy, but you get a good percentage that's lazy, like we were talking about, doing the bare minimum. But they're going to work up until the time where they get that big, you know, whatever the sign-on bonus is, and then they're going to quit. So then you're left with with hiring another employee and another $5,000 or whatever your sign-on bonus is. And, and as soon as they get that sign-on bonus, they're done. They're going to go find another easy job. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, they're they're, they're going to fulfill their contract or whatever you require them to sign because exactly. they because they did that sign-on bonus. And, the, and then they're going to go find another company that's going to offer them another sign-on bonus. And, exactly. And, and, dude, and that is – it just – it freaking kills me because, like I said, leadership – is so entirely simple, but you have these extremely closed-minded leaders that just look at it like that. Oh, how do we get more people here? How do we get more people here? Why don't you focus on keeping the people that you have? I mean, if you look at retention, I mean, I'll go ahead and pull some statistics up. If you look at, like, retention rates for, like, law enforcement organizations, I'm going to tell you right now, they're freaking horrible. Um, let's, uh, let's go to the Google machine. Um Used to be in prime example, you know, with retention rates and stuff like that. And I'm gonna refer it to like the the Virginia State Police. Used to be when I was in high school, and you start looking at careers that when you graduate to join the Virginia State Police, you were put on a waiting list. Mm-hmm. No, so dude, it was like that everywhere, months. man. Yes, if you wait, you waited for months, if not years, to join the Virginia State Police, and now they've got recruiters out there. Um, trying to recruit people because you know nobody wants to be a cop anymore, right? They're they're not incentivizing, hey, you know, come be a cop or come to my department or, or something like that. These cops are getting burned out, and not only one because of the way um, the public is nowadays, but two, you know, they're not recognized enough and, and they're not paid enough, you know, to deal with the bullshit that's on the street today and all this stuff going on in the media and all this stuff. So, so yeah, that's just. A prime example of retention rate right there. No, absolutely, dude. And I, I remember at my first agency, um, something that, you know, I mean, talking to, like, some of the older people um, that I used to work with, um, that, that's something they brought up. Like, so when I applied with my first, my, with my first apartment, God, see, I think they selected 36 of us out of, like, it was like 2,000 candidates. 
But yeah. you know, if you if you talk to some cops that have been in the job for like seventeen years, you know, and so on, um, they, I mean, that is what they would tell you. Like trying to be a cop in the nineties was like trying to win the lottery. People yeah. wanted to do that, you know, and I, you know, exactly. and 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 honestly, I mean, I mean, for me being a law enforcement officer, I'll tell you, you know. I can go out on the street, get spit at, cussed at, you know, fall, you know, punched, whatever. That's never, right, ever, right. ever, ever gonna bother me because I, because right. I, because I have that sense of expectation. Like I right. have a gun, and guess what? It's not for show and tell. I have a vest, also not for show and tell. I have everything that on my that is on my that is on my belt. Once again, not for show and tell. I understand that my, that my job has inherited risk that um that it could possibly bring and i wake up every day that i go and put that uniform on and i think to myself i could not make it home tonight so i i have that in the back of my head i understand you know it was the same it was the same thing in the military it was like that for nine months when we were overseas you know you know we is that sirens yeah ambulance is coming through (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How fitting. <laughs> That's actually hilarious. <laughs> no, because but I I had I know that you know the nine months that, that we were overseas, you know, I had that in the back of my head. And I know that my parents did too. Right. Of, you know, oh wow, you know, you know, my son could not make it home. Um, you yeah, know, you know, I, I knew. I was I was one hundred percent prepared for it. Um and you know, and the same thing. Like every day that I put my uniform on, put my gun belt on, and go and get in my car, um, I think to myself, "All right, let's let's make it through a shift because I might not, you know." And and that is like, and that's and that's the thing. Like I am at least mentally prepared for that. You know what I'm not mentally prepared for is my organization not caring about me or or exactly. you know because I can tell you right now when you hear about all this recruiting and all this stuff. Um, I'm not going to lie. It kind of, I mean, and it's going to sound whatever. If you want to call it freaking snowflakeish or whatever, you know, you can call it what you want, but that, that, that affects right. you because you look at it oh, as, yeah, because you look at it as, oh, wow, they're more care. You know, they care more about getting somebody to come work for them than they do me. Yeah. And that, and that is what 100% kills me. And I got, dude, I'm so glad that you freaking brought that up because if you put money into the people that were there and you put time and effort into people that already worked there, they won't leave and you wouldn't have to worry about recruitment. Like right. you need to worry about the retention that, that exactly. 100% law enforcement organizations would be 10 times more effective if they focused on retention and not on recruitment. But I see that across exactly. the board. I see that. I see that with, with so many law enforcement organizations is that, you know, that's what they're focused on, the recruitment. Oh, let's do a recruitment video. Oh, let's go do a recruitment, yep. you know, a recruitment thing at this college or this or that. Let's get these people to work yep. here. Focus on the people that are already there because they know how to do right. the job. You know, if you want to put, you know, so much time and effort into, you know, training new people and doing this, you know, you know what, go ahead. Because you're gonna have a le- you're gonna have a you're gonna have a less quality of work, and you you you're gonna ha- you're gonna you're the law enforcement organizations are creating a bigger problem than what needs to you know than than what there is, which the the okay. problem statistically is 
keeping law, good law enforcement organizations working, you know, and keeping good law right. enforcement officers working for them, not recruiting. That's not, right. that's not, that's not the problem. Freaking kills me. As you can tell, I, I just went you. on a 10 minute rant about you. that. <laughs> no, it's okay. You know, I get it. You know, I, I've, I've got a lot of friends that are cops, you know, and they vary from, you know, a county, a town, to, to the state police, and that's in various states. And, you know, I always hear the problems of, you know, what the departments are doing, what they're not doing. And it's like you said, you know, instead of focusing on recruitment, you know, focus on retention. Because, yeah, when you focus on recruiting, and like a lot of the companies now, you know, you're scraping from the bottom of the barrel, right? You're scraping that whatever that dirt is at the bottom of the barrel, that's what you're getting. And, you know, that's resulting in the problems that we're facing today with, you know, um, a lot of wrongful, you know, I don't want to say a lot of wrongful, but uh, wrongful like officer-involved shootings, right? It's because of lack of training and the lack of standards. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely right with you with focus on retention no, and recruiting because, like I said, it was hard to become a cop, you know, back when I was growing up getting through high school, um, it was hard to even find an agency that was even hiring one person. Yeah, I mean you're going up. You're going up against like, especially where you're at. I mean you're going up against like 500 freaking people. You know, Absolutely. one per. You know, you going up against 500 freaking people, and you know that you know that is a freaking issue. Um, Absolutely. Let's see. Let me try to pull up these. All these, like freaking. Uh, this is way too long. I'm not going to look through all that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot to look through. Um, yeah. Absolutely, man. It, it just kills me. It, it utterly kills me that that so many organizations, that, that, that that's what they're focused on, is recruitment, not yeah. retention. Let's see here. Let me pull through. I mean, and dude, honestly, man, I, I know I touched on a, on a earlier podcast, um, I went in and sat in a roll call um, at my previous agency because my supervisor, who I loved to death, she was my supervisor for a couple of years, absolutely amazing. And the reason why she was amazing is she exhibited a lot of the qualities that Master Sergeant Harmon exhibited, was right, ca- right. was caring about us. And Correct. if she would have asked me to jump, I would have 100% said how high. Um, right. She was she was focused on that. She was focused on keeping the good officers there. Um, and you know another thing too that a lot of law enforcement organizations don't understand is, I, you know, I don't do this job because I because I think I'm going to make a lot of freaking money. Like I do th- right. I, I do this job for the sense of accomplishment. Right. Let's see here. Statistically, it doesn't take very long for people to realize they aren't cut out for the job. Out of officers that leave the force, most do within five years of getting hired. The greater part of them during two years. Salary and compensation. Here, lack of respect, lack of respect and appreciation. Yeah. And this is from OutsideTheBadge.com. Another factor contributing to the retention of officers is the lack of respect received from the respective agency's upper management. Considering yeah. what they do on a daily basis and the value they bring to their respective communities. Many do not feel appreciated. This can lead to resentment yeah. and frustration with those above them. Those who are in higher positions can show respect and appreciation for their officers by getting their hands dirty a little bit and coming out of their offices to spend time in the field. 
100 freaking percent in my previous agency. I think I said it just about at least once a week. Why are these upper people not coming and doing ride-alongs with us? That 100%. Come out and see what I'm dealing with now. Because guess what? What you were dealing with in 1980 is not what I'm dealing with now. Um, It's way different. This creates a level of understanding instead of creating a divide between them. One hundred percent, and that that you know, and that and that's the issue that you know a lot of you know organizations are running into is, you know, you have upper management saying, "Oh, you need to do things X, Y, and Z this way," and then you know they're sitting in an office, you know, behind a mahogany desk, and then you have the patrol guy yeah. and his cruiser, you know being told what to do behind, you know, from somebody that's behind a desk. And that's extremely freaking frustrating. Um, taking an officer's wellness seriously can re can lead to higher retention in the police force. Creating personalized plans can help them better their work and home life balance, which once again, is the entire topic of this pot, uh, you know, of this episode, um, that is literally all it takes. And it, you know, and it, it, it's hard. I don't want to say it's hard to talk about this, but it like reading these statistics and having the conversation with you is that it is so frustrating that it is literally this simple. It is two plus two. It is not two divided by 3000. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm right there with you. It, it's, it's so simple to um avoid a problem absolutely so now that we have gone on our rant for about 30 minutes let's talk about some of the stuff that you've done for um first responders and law enforcement organizations especially um the stuff you've done at the gym with the virginia state police and more importantly um your massive freaking success with the t-shirt thing that you did with grunt style um for the virginia state police swat operator yeah, no, um, yeah, Adam brought me on board with, um, say, the next as far as, um, like, the military side of things. Because so, not only so, what is, like so what is Save the Net? Is that Adam's organization? So, yeah, that's Adam's. Well, his, his, uh, his wife is actually, I guess, what you call the CEO. Um, and he's kind of, um, kind of second in command. Um, but, um, they focus a lot on first responders, suicide, you know, law enforcement, EMS, fire, and whatever, whatever your, your, um, calling is, um, is, uh, focused on battling suicide, you know, you know, giving people to talk to, um, phone numbers to call, um, making the public aware of what officers and first responders and military face. Um, when they're behind the closed doors, and you know, because like you said, everything out in the public, you know, oh, thank you for your service, da da da. And then, like I said, the the yellow ribbons that are on these cars, I support the troops, I support law enforcement. Um, but are you doing that as far as bragging rights because you got that cool little sticker on there, or are you actually deep diving into the actual physical issues of, of what goes on behind closed doors? Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, the t shirt um, he was a local state trooper, graduated a, uh, a year behind me in high school. We went to two different high schools. Um, very, very well-known gentleman, um, Lucas Dow, here in Shohawi. Um So, yeah, he was a state trooper. Um, he ended up uh, getting onto the tactical team. Um, they were going into a house um, 
I don't know if they were serving a warrant as far as narcotics or, or something like that. It was narcotics. Um, and, and then as soon as, you know, they opened the door, the guy started shooting. And, and even with all the protective gear that uh, Lucas had on him, the guy struck him in the neck where the protective gear did not cover. <clears throat> so as far as um, doing stuff for them, I took it upon myself. Um, and then I had to get, of course, you know, I wanted to get the parents' permission uh, to do this. So I took it upon myself. And, of course, you had a thousand things going on at one time, which pretty much it stressed his parents to death. And, and I was able to sit down and talk with uh, his mom and dad. And he said they, said, they told me uh, people were doing so many things that they didn't even know how to keep track of anything. And, and all they wanted was their kid to be remembered as a hero. Yeah. Um, instead of like a political statement, you know what I mean? So I did the t-shirt drive with grunt style. Um, me and his tech team talked a little bit. They went ahead and did their own. Um, I went ahead and did it with grunt style. And then the parents under their directive, you know, they didn't want, I wanted to raise money for the family, but you know, not thinking outside the box, the parents donated to, um, the Virginia state police. Um, it's a fund that what they do is in the event of a line of duty death, you know, the family is automatically getting money to, to start helping with like funeral expenses or whatever have you. Yeah. Happen to wait. Uh, Cause you know, we've all, we've all been yeah. involved with the family member dying and we know how long it takes to get. Oh yeah. And that, like that, yeah, absolutely. So, dude. so that's what that, that Virginia state police fund does is it gives you money right then and there to, to start helping because one oh sorry that's my watch going off you're <laughs> uh, good buddy no the the biggest stress well, one you're already you're already absolute at your lowest because you just lost somebody right you just lost a family member um and in this case you know they lost their son um yeah. and then not only that but then you start realizing how am i going to pay for funeral expenses and all that stuff how am i going to pay for this and that and this and that and that's what that virginia state police fund does is is uh, is uh, take care of that stuff right off the bat. But uh, no, the T-shirt uh, was a huge success. I can't remember. I know I posted however many within the first hour, and it was a ton. Oh, dude. I mean, um, I remember texting yeah. you at uh, SWAT week last year, and I said, hey, man, yeah. like, there's a guy all the way up here wearing your T-shirt. I was like, that's... Oh, it went. It went. Um, and it's not bragging rights with doing this. It went. Uh, all across the state, not only Virginia, but, you know, I had people, and I don't want to say 50 states, you know, deep, but uh, multiple states around there, you know, Kentucky and Tennessee and South Carolina. I think one even went to Iraq to a contractor over there. Um, a bunch of his people ordered them, um, but it just went absolutely viral. So it was a huge success. But, no, I'm all the time, you know, talking about, suicide and everything like that and random people uh reach out to me um as far as you know just wanting to talk and you know i talk to them the best i can and it's ultimately you know you lead them to get help yeah absolutely i you know you're really man on the front line doing what i would call god's work especially with stuff like that because you know i think that that is definitely something that people ignore so god bless you for doing that doing that I appreciate it. yeah no absolutely man so we're gonna go ahead and wrap up the show so i'll let you go ahead and give a shout out um to somebody that um you know kind of helped you and guide you into your um you know 
growing into a young man and, and wanting to do the things that, that, that you've been doing with first responders, everything. So if you could come up oh, with somebody, you, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I could go, we could be on here for another hour with shout outs, but you know, it, it's a big thanks to those who, um, the actual quality leadership that I had as far as, you know, on my deployment, um, Sergeant Harmon, you know, she was a big one to, uh, Sergeant first class Baird, uh, Dixon, um, and then yeah, you know, Dixon was a really good guy. Law enforcement. I had a lot of state troopers in my corner, uh, so thanks to them and uh, just a ton of people. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't just just do one. And then, <laughs> but the biggest one, you know, is my wife. You know, my wife, she's the biggest one. Absolutely, buddy. Hey, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, you know, giving you know, giving your opinions on stuff. I think we had a really, really, really good discussion today because we got pretty yeah, fired up, so. which is fun. That's what that that's what I want, man. I I I, yeah. I I want the motivation and the passion, you know, to try to help people as much as I can. Um, you know, and that's you know that's why I do this podcast is because you know I want yeah, I I want leadership to hear this. I want you know the you know the the officers and the soldiers on the ground and all that to to hear this and you know kind of you know you know take it to heart and listen to it and really kind of yeah, apply the things you know from someone like me which I'm a nobody um, but just to listen to kind of like the entry level I guess um, Not the, everybody's a somebody yeah the, I appreciate that so, um, the entry yeah. you know kind of like the entry level opinions of the people that are out there you know getting their hands dirty right. you know so to speak turning the wrenches and everything right. well. Well, thank you for listening to the 1080 podcast. Um, I will catch you guys on the flip side. I appreciate it, Hess. Thanks for coming on. I'm a brother. I appreciate you. I right, see you, buddy. All right, bye. Bye.